The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. I say this every year. Nobody has proved us wrong, Holly. It's true. When I say that we have the most incredible people, the incredible guests, people that are willing to spend some time and share their hearts and talk with us. Yes. And today is no different. And I'm so excited for this conversation that we're going to have. Author, encourager. She's like an AAK 247. <laughs> you know what that is? I don't know what that is to whether uh, agree or disagree. Please tell She's me what I am. All about kindness. 247. Oh, that's good, Johnny. A bit of a reach, but we'll Maybe be encouraging. We're going to be encouraging on this one. Becky Keith, how are you? I'm doing so good now that I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> Give it five minutes and you oh. will either, it'll either go one way or another. Yeah. No, it's either going to go great or greater. Like I'm yes. here for it. I love okay. that attitude. Well, we like to ask the skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. Who are you and where did you come from? Who am I and where did I come from? I am Becky Keefe formerly Becky Pickett. Um, and Becky Pickett encapsulates where I came from. Um, I would be known as Becky Pickett. Uh, I was one of the Pickett girls. I grew up in um, Whittier, California with uh, mostly my mom and my two older sisters. And I say that like where I came from, Becky Pickett, because I grew up finding my identity in me. I have always been um, an achiever, a striver, and I'm so grateful that God over 40 years has taught me how to uh, use that with him in partnership with him for him. Um, but I'll be honest, and I spent a lot of years doing it for for my name's sake um, and feeling like I... Uh, would find my my worth, my my value based upon what I do rather than who I am. I don't know. Did I pass a test? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's a little bit about where There's I'm no from. wrong and... answers. Yeah, you could have lied good. and said whatever you wanted. We're okay. Yeah, I know. But I'm an Enneagram three and like I want the right answer. Like, like do I get a gold star? Yes, you do. Because <laughs> I'm an Enneagram two. I just want you to make sure that you feel okay and that you're comfortable. Okay. 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 Good. Good. Yes. I feel, I feel affirmed. Good. Good. <laughs> Amazing. Well, you say you grew up with your mom and your sisters primarily back in the day. Let's talk about the faith side right out of the hopper. Uh, was faith a big part of your growing up too? Yeah. So I'm really grateful. I grew up in the church, um, on my mom's side of the family I have a long legacy of, cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents who, who knew and walked with the Lord. And so, um, yeah, I, I accepted Jesus as my savior, um, when I was five years old, um, and definitely knew him. And I, and I can see looking back that I had a desire to know him deeper, but again, with this, um, kind of battle for my own identity, um, and feeling like, well, I could be pretty self-sufficient. Uh, my parents divorced when I was nine. And so I think some mm. of that came as a result of that, of feeling like my, my circumstances are out of my control. I'm lacking some of the security and the attention that I, that I am craving. So I'll just take it upon myself to, to figure it out on my own. Um, and so I would say it wasn't really until I got to college, um, and God began 
kind of stripping away some of these identity pieces. I had my sights set on uh, Ivy League dreams mm. and on paper, it should have happened and it didn't. And so I ended up going to a local state school, which I'm, you know, I'm just like, oh, bless you, Becky, because it's so embarrassing now when I think about like <laughs> how I scorned like that opportunity. Um but really it was the path that God set me on to draw me to him because it was in college that I really encountered um, the God of the Bible. I learned what discipleship was. I learned that he actually wasn't waiting for me to, to achieve more. He just wanted to be with me. And so it was really in those formative um, years of my late teens and early twenties that um I, I would say I, I, I really met Jesus and decided that I wanted to do life with him forever. At nine, uh, having a parent, you know, your parents separate and divorce, that can really put a, a, a kid into some spiraling situations as to why is this happening and what's going on, et cetera. How did you deal with the announcement of your parents no longer going to be together? It's interesting because I, ne- I don't ever remember wanting them to get back together because Mm. I knew it wasn't good. I just desperately wanted it to be different. Like just that, that deep feeling of it's not supposed to be this way. Mm. Um, And while, you know, the divorce rate is sky high, I actually grew up um, with a group of friends who I was the only kid in the group whose parents weren't together. Mm. And that was really hard to feel like, the odd kid out yet in the same way, I see God's hand of kindness and protection in my life that I see it in my sister's lives as well, that, that God provided um, other families to be second families, to give that model of what a two parent household could be and to help kind of fill in some of those gaps. Um, And really I would say that would be a theme that I saw throughout throughout my childhood and adolescence that uh, whether dealing with the sins of others or my own, the consequences of my own sin, God didn't leave me. Um, And his hand was with me. Mm -hmm. It's hard to navigate just uh, those kinds of childhood traumas and that unsettledness. And then sometimes you don't really realize the full impact until you are older and you are married and you've got kids and suddenly you realize, oh, wow, um, God totally protected me in those seasons. Having grown up in a a household where your parents were divorced, did that change how you sought out your future partner? You know, it it probably did. I don't know that I was um, super aware of it in that really intentional way, but yet I knew like how valuable it was to choose a partner where through thick or thin, like we were going to, we were going to do it together. And I'll say that, like, I think that my parents, I think that most people enter marriage, believing that Mm -hmm. wanting that I don't, I've never met anyone who wants divorce. Like it's always broken. It's always painful. It's never like anyone's like top priority. Um, but, but absolutely like knowing that, uh, my future husband and I would have, um, you know, a similar foundation of, of faith and just that relentless commitment to our family. But absolutely. I knew that like, 
I didn't want my kids, as resilient as kids are, as much as God is the great gap filler, um, still, like, I didn't want to ever put my kids through that. And I want to point out something that you said, Holly, about trauma. And I just want to say that, like, for anyone who's listening, that I didn't recognize until, like you were saying, I was much older and found yeah. myself in therapy, which I'm a f- huge proponent of, but um, another part of my story is that I struggle with anxiety and depression. And I didn't realize that, that, yeah, growing up in the aftermath of, of divorce was trauma in my life. And my therapist, um, explained to me that there are, we often, we think of trauma as with a capital T, like mm. sexual abuse or, or combat, you know, or, or these other kind of like really big, horrible things, but there can also be lowercase t traumas in our lives and that those are worth exploring and dealing with and healing from. Um, so I just, I appreciate that you, you using that word. Cause I think it's helpful for people to understand like, Oh, like I could, there could be implications of trauma in my life, even if I feel like, well, things have turned out pretty well. Yeah. I feel like the word resilient is attached to kids as like almost abandoned for the parent. It's okay. Uh-huh. They're resilient. Yeah. And you forget that the kid is actually going through something pretty traumatic. And it's important, like you said, to get therapy, to have those conversations so they can grow up to be able to understand what happened because they don't have right. the context. Right. Yeah, exactly. Over the number of years, I've now realized just how important it is to have these conversations about, you know, the the, the big T's and the small T's. You had said that it was in college that you got more growth spiritually. At what point then did you realize, like, I want to be an author, I want to get into ministry, I want to do all these other things? Well, I have I have known that I loved words and wanted to be a writer since I was a little girl. Mm. Um, like, I vividly remember in Mrs. Barber's second grade class when we did a project of, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And uh, we did these, like, self-portraits, and everyone was, like, a teacher or a doctor or a firefighter. And I was, like, an author. I didn't know how mm. to draw an author, so I just, like put myself with like a pencil in my hand. Um, but like I have, I've loved words and stories, um, for as long as I can remember, but I would say it was really when, um, I was, um, a mom with young kids. Um, God gave me three boys in three and a half years, which rocked my world, uh, (laughs) in the best and most ridiculous ways. Um, as much as I was like loving the, the gift of motherhood, and I do believe it's a gift and, and, and a privilege, part of my story is that I also really felt really lost hmm. um, and really alone. And um, I, through that season, I reconnected with writing as a way to just process what was going on in my life. Um, this is back when like people blogged and I had like beckykeefe.blogspot.com that like three people read. Um, but it was through that, that I realized, Oh, like in, in writing, I'm actually, it's helping me like clarify and learn the lesson that God is writing in me. And I started seeing wow, like other moms are feeling the same way. And other women are being like, I never, I never articulated it that, that way, but now I feel so seen. And so kind of rediscovering, um, yeah, that writing could be a way of, of connecting with God and with others. And that's kind of, um, how it started because I always thought when I would, when I pictured myself as a writer, I thought I would write children's books. I'd write books of poetry. Um, and maybe someday I'll still do those things, but we're, 
my passion really got a hold was this idea of of communicating my story and communicating truths about God in a way that encouraged other people in the thick of it. Hmm. Um, and God has been so gracious. And there's been uh, two books and two Bible studies that I've solo authored and been parts of lots of other projects since then. And um, yeah, really, really grateful. A question about the anxiety and depression for you. Was that pre-kids or after kids that it really or hit you? both. <laughs> True, both. <laughs> D, all of the above. All of the above. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't, uh, have the tools to, to name it until about eight years ago. So mm-hmm. this was, um, after, you know, my youngest by that time was probably two. Um, so two, four and five. And I got to a point where I realized, um, I'm really not okay. And I can't hide it or fake it anymore. Mm. Um, and it was a really low point of having to get honest with, with first myself, like that I'm actually not okay because I was living in this mindset of if I just fill in the blank, if I just try harder, if I just pray more, if I just manage my time better, if I just get more sleep, if I just exercise, if I'm just more patient with my kids, then I will be okay. And yet all of the good things I was doing was not curing my racing mind and this brick on my chest. And I felt like I couldn't catch my breath and, um, the sadness that didn't match my circumstances. Um, and so after getting off of myself and then God, and then my husband, and that was really the first time that I went to therapy and got some the tools and language to identify trauma in my past, some triggering things for my anxiety in the present. And then over these last many years, and now I, I talk and I write about anxiety and I realize that really this has been part of my story since I was a little girl, but I called it lots of different things. Um, you know, I called it, you know, stress, um, or grief or PMS or irritability, or, you know, that's just the way I am. Um, and so I've been grateful to be able to kind of look back with, with more compassion on my younger self and kind of see, um, what I didn't have the eyes to see then. Yeah. It's uh it's tough to put words to something like anxiety because, I almost feel like the more information that comes out about it, <laughs> suddenly you're like, well, I just, everyone has it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just the way it is. But there are definitely things that you can do to move into a healthier space with anxiety. And so, yeah, therapy, obviously a really great one. Did you find your family a huge support? And by family, I mean like your mom and your sisters as you navigated trying to figure out the language to articulate mm-hmm. what you were feeling? No. Okay. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but that's because um I didn't yet at that point our relationships weren't in a place where I felt um safety to talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. Um I realized that a lot of things I needed to process in therapy were things that had to do with my family of origin. And so sometimes when you are in the midst of of, of processing um you know trauma or you know, mental health disorder it's your capacity is, is limited to like your inner circle. Um, and so, but what I'm grateful to say is that now like years into my journey, I can share with them and I do mm. share with them. And yes, like I do, um, you know, I, I do feel that, that support and I'm really grateful for that. 
And if it's okay, I just wanted to say one other thing, Holly, in, in response to where you said, like, it seems like everyone has anxiety and the more that comes out about it. And I find that I think one of the reasons for this is, is that we use one term to describe a lot of different experiences. So we use this one term anxiety and we use it to mean like kind of like everyday stress and worry all the way to the spectrum of like a mental health disorder. Mm-hmm. And so anxiety is, it's like there's anxiety that it's common to human experience. Like we're going to feel anxious before a test. We're going to have anxiety about um, transitions in our life, you know, relational stress, all kinds of things. And then there's anxiety when that kind of stress is severe or persistent, then we're getting into, um, you know, the, the category of, of, of mental health and mental illness. And so I think it's just helpful to kind of recognize that, again, I think language can be a barrier to people really being like, oh, yeah, like, that's what I have. Because if someone's like, I have anxiety, and they are meaning like a debilitating panic attack, that's very different than someone who's like, oh, like, I'm so anxious about like, this upcoming meal with my in-laws, you know what I mean? So I think, but that's why I'm so grateful for the work that you guys do as well, because I think sharing our stories and giving voice to our experiences definitely helps people be like, oh yeah, that fits. Yeah. That not so much. And then we all feel a little bit less alone. Yeah. What I love is, uh, come sit with me, which is, uh, which is officially out now is, is kind of like you take um, if you look at like Marvel and DC, you got like Spider-Mans and Supermans, you take the best of the best and you kind of just glumped them all together. Was this your idea to just take the 26 best writers and we're just going to put them all in one book and we're just going to encourage as many people as we possibly can? Um, I mean, that wasn't the exact impetus of the book, but hey, if you want to call us like the Marvel, you know, of, of, of Christian publishing, then yes, I will. I will, <laughs> I will take that. <laughs> yes. Who, who do I get to be? Tell me my character. Whoever um, you want. Yes. Okay. Cause you know, I have three boys and so we have watched all Marvels in right. chronological history order. Um, and you know, there's, there's the always, the, always the discussions of, well, who would you be? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyhow, but so come sit with me. Um, is a book that is from the Encourage community, um, which I have the joy and privilege of being the community and editorial manager for. And so when we knew that we wanted to write another book, yes, we absolutely wanted to highlight um, the beauty of our community, which is women from all different life stages, all different experiences, diverse, um, you know, backgrounds and ethnicities. And really coming together and and tackling the struggles that no one really wants to talk about and knowing that that one person couldn't do that as mm. as as richly and fully as getting all of these different life experiences um and so that was kind of the the idea behind come sit with me like what would it feel like to invite readers to come and sit at the table over a cup of coffee, over a cup of chai tea and, and talk about like the relationships that, that break our hearts that we feel like are impossible to navigate. And how do we, how do we see God through those struggles? 
it's like the literary version of there's room at the table for everyone because everybody's story mm -hmm. matters. And I love that about it. And speaking of the table and people coming to the table, do you mind sharing a little bit about the chapter that you specifically wrote about uh, a very important dinner in your family's history? Yeah, I would love to. So I tell the story, um, going back to my parents' divorce, um, about, uh, a Thanksgiving many years ago where God did something I never could have imagined. So I told you guys that, you know, my parents divorced when I was nine. Um, and I know some divorced families where the husband and wife or exes, you know, stay friends and they kind of do life together. That was not our story. Mm. Um, my, my parents had a very contentious relationship, um, post divorce, um, to the point where I can remember, you know, having a middle school band concert and seeing my parents sitting on opposite sides of the gym or at my college graduation, I remember um, asking my dad to step into a, a family photo with my mom and my sisters. And he clearly pretended not to hear me because that's how much he didn't want to to be mm -hmm. to the to, to the point of um, I didn't know if my dad would show up to my wedding because there was a huge blow up over my parents not wanting to sit next to each other. So that is, that is, um, some of the, the relational shrapnel. I like to say that, that I continue to navigate, you know, through my childhood into my adulthood. Um, and so fast forward several years and my dad had been remarried and then divorced again. And his life was, spiraling. Um, he lost his marriage, his health was in disarray, um, his finances, he lost his career. Um, it just was a really hard time for him. And so my mom knew that my sisters and I would, um, you know, Thanksgiving was approaching and she knew that we would have, each of us were married. We'd do our stuff with our in-laws. We would do something with her and then it would fall on us to then host something for my dad. Cause he wasn't in a position to do mm -hmm. it. Um, and one day out of the blue, my mom asked me, Hey, what would you think about if I invited your dad to Thanksgiving dinner? And I, th I think I probably had to pick my jaw up off the floor no. because yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> did I just, hear, did I just hear you right? And, um, I'll be totally honest. My, I don't know that I said this out loud. I think I just didn't say anything, but internally I was screaming, heck no, <laughs> no, like, no, like why? Like I appreciated my mom being like, I know it's so hard, like three Thanksgivings, but immediately what came to my mind was I would take the chaos of three gatherings over the tension and unpredictability of all of us being in the same house together over an extended, extended meal. Like that just sounded horrific. Um, my mom went on to say how she didn't even know if my dad would accept the invitation, but she just felt the Lord was prompting her to extend it. Mm. Um, and that really marked, like, I can see like um, a significant point in my mom's journey and, and, and her faith. And um, anyhow, the story goes is that eventually, you know, I'm grateful I didn't give way to fear. And really that gut reaction was, was I was afraid. I was afraid of how this would go. I was afraid of getting more hurt. Um, but my sisters and I agreed, uh, we don't think dad's going to accept either, but whatever, like, go ahead. So that day was a miracle because mm. my mom gave that invitation. 
my dad accepted and he showed up at her front door with a bottle of sparkling cider and we sat at the table. It was one of those things where I was like, is this, is this really happening? It was the beginning of what turned out to be many, many family dinners um, together before my dad passed away. Um, and it just reminded me that God was working in ways that I didn't even have the faith to ask for. Mm. Mm. That's incredible. Talk about a story of just like family reconciliation. And that doesn't happen without God. <laughs> right. And people have asked me, like, as they have read the chapter, did your parents get back together? <laughs> no, they didn't get back together. No, they weren't best friends. No, it didn't erase those decades of pain, but it was steps forward. It was um, God doing the beginning of healing, um, you know, and healing that I, I feel like has has continued for years. When my dad first passed away, I didn't want to talk to my mom about it because it just felt too raw, too messy. I wasn't in a place of being able to handle my own grief and her version of grief, what she was entitled to, but felt really, it just, it just was messy, right? Like families are just messy. And yeah, I see how God is continuing to bring healing because when it is his birthday or it is the anniversary of his death, like I can receive her comfort. I can, I, I we can acknowledge it together. Um, and so I like to say that um, my chapter is titled, what if pain is the stage for miracles? I think that that's true for a lot of us, that sometimes it is through our pain that we later have the opportunity to see God's kindness and faithfulness most, most clearly. It's 26 unique writers, unique situations, unique individuals with different stories. What has the reaction been from people who have had an opportunity to to read through it once or five times? People love it. Like people, um, even our own writers who, who know, uh, you know, one another and are familiar with their work. There is this overwhelming sense of like, this is something really special. Um, it's something really intimate. We're sharing really intimate stories, um, from, you know, painful marriages to, uh, dealing with 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 toxic family members to how do you honor your parents when 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 you disagree with them or they're living in your house and you're like this is not working out um to to the pain of what happens when when friendships change and how do you how do you when do you fight and when do you let go um and what i love is that because there's this this broad spectrum of talking about our differences our disagreements our discomfort um whether you read a chapter and you're like, yes, I've been there or you haven't, it's doing this inner work in us of, of priming our hearts to be more compassionate, more understanding. And I, and I, I've had people be like, I just got to, you know, chapter whatever. And it's for this person. Like it's the book that we, that we can give um, so easily because it's like, oh, like this wasn't for me, but I know that it's going to speak to so-and-so. And I love that. You talk about all the questions that people can ask while they're going through this book to, to heal, to grow in their faith. This is the Why Me Project. So let me ask you a question. Has there been a moment where you have asked of God, why me? I think there's definitely been been moments um, in my mental health journey 
where I've asked that question, especially when um, I feel like I am, quote, doing all of the right Christian things. Yeah. God, God, why? God, I've, I've, I've been to therapy. I've, I've surrendered my whole life to you. Um, I pray. I read my Bible daily. Why me? Why is this still a struggle? Um, can I tell you, can I tell you what he answered me with? The answer when I've asked that question, why me, is me. God saying me, that through our struggle, through my personal struggles, he wants me to draw closer to capital M, capital E to him. And, and, and I've learned through this, um, you know, and I can really put this lens on all of my struggles, you know, from growing up as a child of divorce to, you know, things in parenting, you know, across the gamut of the, like God's word is true. And so when it says like, um, it is through our weakness that we are made strong, like that is true. Like the end of our rope is the beginning of God's grace. And so in that way, um, God has transformed that why me into gratitude because mm-hmm. I know that I don't, even though it's more comfortable, I actually don't want to live a life that's self-sufficient. I don't, I want to live a life that's God dependent and, uh, and my weakness and my anxiety and depression, uh, lead me to that place of being dependent on God. Have you thought about, and maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Doing a uh, come sit with me, but uh, a dude version, a guy version, 26 guys getting together and sharing their hearts. That would be phenomenal. I th- I would love to have that book. Um, we have not thought about that because we are a community of women for women. Um, but I would love to, as, as a guy, would you like to read that from a woman's perspective or would you want, you want like 26 I want, guys? I want, I want a guy's perspective. Right. Yes. Where do we get? I don't want to hear about a lady's guys? menopause. I, I want to hear about a guy's menopause. Oh, <laughs> I want to hear about guy's menopause too. I know. I don't, I menopause? Don't know. Dude-pause. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe you, Johnny, maybe you are the one to, to, to yes. rally the man troops. And I and don't have 26 out. friends. You're asking oh. a lot, Becky. Okay. Uh. Listeners, if you want to be Johnny's friend, <laughs> he needs them. <laughs> find him on Instagram. Nice. Well played. I like it. Oh, amazing. Speaking of Instagram at uh, Becky Keefe on the Insta, she started as a, an incredible story writer of Mrs. Gander to now. Uh, come sit with me, which is available. Becky, we appreciate you for taking some time and sharing your heart. Thanks so much for having me. There's so many things that I could really take away from. I think one of those was the, uh, if I just, if I just do this better, if I just take some time to do this, if I just, and how many times are we stuck into those, if I just, or only if I dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Reminds me of the quote from Corey Temboom. Uh, where she has said that there's no what ifs in God's world. Actually, I think it was her dad telling her that. Um, that was one of her very memorable lessons growing up. There's no what ifs in God's world. So. How incredible is it that you can get 26 amazing women to share 26 incredible stories and then we just... Yeah, it's, I, just, I really appreciate what they've put together. And honestly, I think women naturally gravitate towards community. I mean, you think mm. of the pioneer days and they would have had their uh, sewing bees and their baking bees, right? Like we just, we love to be together. We love to share our stories uh, I think it'd be even more amazing if there is a, a man version too, because I don't think men share their stories 
uh, in that same kind of way. There's got to be a way that we can do something like that. Now, I, I understand that maybe guys aren't going to go and they're going to, you know, jump online and share their hearts like maybe a woman would. But there's probably some sort of market there for us guys to have a way to talk about the things that we're going through. Yes. Well, maybe this is something that you need to be starting, Johnny. For Becky, she's been a part of some incredible stuff with Encourage and with Come Sit With Me. And we're just so grateful she took time today to share her heart, her story, and yes, her why me moment. Uh, Thank you to everyone who has taken the time to also download and check out our podcast, check out all of our socials, Um, YouTube, which by the way, we do have a YouTube now. You can hit that Mm -hmm. subscribe button. Yep. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are trying to hit every single facet of the social media realm. We are doing the best we can. And then, of course, you can always go to faithstrongtoday.com. 